Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. I want to talk about uh, an ongoing concern that we've had for the same uh, period of time uh, as, as the legalization of cannabis, and of course is, is the industry itself and its location here in the city. And the medical cannabis producer in Ancaster uh, is now going to be allowed to grow. This was a very contentious issue, of course, that was uh, uh, being batted around by council for quite some time, and it looks as if there's some resolution to this. And uh, to that end, we're glad that uh, our next guest could join us. Lloyd Ferguson, of course, is the counsel for Ward 12 in Ancaster, uh, joining us here on the Bill Kelly Show. Good to see you again. You're a busy guy. It's hard to get you in studio here, but I appreciate you coming in today. Well, I'm glad to be here, Bill, and talk about this issue. Well, let's talk a little bit about this, because I know you raised, some, some, I think, some very serious concerns and legitimate concerns about this operation. And uh, you basically said, look, let's have a time out and talk about this. Uh, maybe in the way of background, let's talk a little bit about, first of all, the proposal, where they want to go and what they want to do, and then we can talk about how you uh, you found some resolution to this. Okay, and let me start by saying City Council has nothing to do with the legalization of cannabis. That's a federal responsibility. Yep. Nothing to do with the distribution. That's provincial uh, responsibility. Our responsibility is land use. And and so in this particular application, we I have another one in Ancaster. It's in the Ancaster Industrial Park. It's in production. It's working well. And the, the, the advantage of not going into prime agricultural land from the grower's perspective is it, our industrial parks already have three-phase power. They have unlimited water. They have access to public transit. You know, the Green Organic Dutchmen are telling us they're going to be employing 75 people there. And, and that's a concern out in the rural areas. So my key issue, which is in sync with our official plan, is that we should retain prime agricultural land to grow food, uh, not to cover it with concrete and asphalt and glass uh, to grow cannabis. Um, and cannabis is a narcotic, and uh, that's different than food. And uh, we should be... Uh, really working hard to preserve our prime agricultural land and we've done that with our zoning and we've done that with the green belt the green belt is is out there to protect agricultural land to do just that Uh, in our area we grow wheat soybeans and corn and and for the cattle we grow oats and barley and 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 for feed for the cattle so our rural official plan sets a guideline for um, cannabis and, and it started out with medical marijuana and has subsequently been amended to include recreational, that the maximum size building you can put up on a, a, a rural property, or its own rural, which is our farmland, is 2,000 square meters. So the Green Organic Dutchman, uh, TGOD is the, is the acronym, the way it's traded on the stock exchange, came in with an application for 15,000 square meters. So about seven times, uh, maybe a little more than seven and a half, seven and a half times what our maximum that was... Um, allowed for in the official plan. And so um, there was one building of 2,000 square meters and one building of 13,000 square meters. So they got the approval for the 2,000 square meters because that's right in our OP. Yeah, okay, that, that fits. But what about the There's other one? Something. Well, the other one, um, council denied it. They denied it because it uh, didn't comply with our official plan, which is preserving prime agricultural land and limiting it to 2,000 square meters. And, and, of course, the neighbors also come out highly opposed to it for four key reasons. Uh, we've had a, some significant problems in Hamilton with other marijuana grow operations, particularly on the East Mountain with odor. You know, uh, Brenda Johnson, who, is, who represented that area at the time, said it, they, had, they had to close driving ranges. The neighbors had to keep their windows shut all the time. She said she had to keep her windows down for a couple of kilometers while driving to get that odor out. And uh, because that's... Uh, 
a side effect of growing cannabis, it does have an odor. So they were concerned about the odor. They were concerned about water. I mean, it's in the middle of a farming community, Albert and the Jerseyville Road in Ancaster. There's mm-hmm. nothing more rural than that. It's on country roads, a lot of hills, very narrow, just gravel or surface-treated roads. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of dairy farms. And if you lose your water, you're out of business as a dairy farmer. And, uh, you know, if you have three kids, expect to have you shower in the morning or bath at night and wash laundry, you need water. We, sh- we should mention, but the- these are all wells. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, there's no, there's no public water yeah. out there, unlike the industrial parks. I talked about three-phase power and public yeah. transportation. They also have public water. And so, so water is a concern, obviously. Though. Absolutely. That was the concern, is, is the water supply. And if they start with these many plants, and they're going to capture the gray water, which is the one-off water off the roofs. But what happens in July and August when it doesn't rain? What happens in you know December through to April when everything's froze up? Uh, where are you going to get this water from? So you have to have backup wells to do that. And what's that going to do to the aquifer? They're concerned about transportation because it is all narrow hilly roads a lot of farm equipment out there and the big farm equipment that we have nowadays takes up the whole road um and also uh, you know no access and egress points i was sent pictures of trucks pulling out of the teagog construction and of course the back wheels of the tractor trailer was in the ditch and they're stuck across the road it's on a hill so there's all this transportation issues Plus, they're knocking the daylights out the road. All the many concrete trucks and aggregate trucks that are going in there, particularly which, by the way, is not the gra- greatest of roads to begin with. I mean, Jerseyville Road is an old—it's it's an old wagon trail, isn't it? I don't know. It's a, it's a farm yeah. road. It's a rural road. It's a typical rural road that you see. Anywhere. And, and that was the major concern because we, we drive that road a lot. And and I said, wait a second. I mean, uh, and so I talked to these people about this, and they said, no, 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 no. There's not going to be as much traffic as you would think. And then uh, they seem to obviously have uh, have pacified the city staff about this anyway. Well, city staff did recommend approval because there were, there, uh, I, I sense it was because the the 75 jobs it would create. And and as I drilled into the planners, they're, they're not from the farming community and they don't understand these issues. I don't think they would ever recommend another one. Although that only happened if we see another application, but our official plan still says maximum 2,000 square meters. But the fourth issue the neighbors were concerned about was light spillage. CBC did a report. They'd light up the sky at night because of the intense light that's required, particularly when you have a greenhouse uh, that they're, they're growing them in. The one at the Ancaster Industrial Park is a bunker building. It's, it's enclosed, and so it has no light spillage. So how will that change things by having the, the night sky lit up in the country, and what impact will that be? So those are the, the issues. At the maximum 2,000 square meters to preserve prime agricultural land, and also these four key issues that the neighbors were concerned about uh, if this was allowed to go beside them. So we denied it. And uh, so they um, appealed it to Alpat, local property appeals tribunal, uh, to overturn the council decision. But in the meantime, went ahead anyway. They started putting this 13,000 square meter building up without zoning and without a building permit. And so uh, we got wind of it that uh, this was going on. So we sent building out and building uh, put a stop work order on them, as you expect, because they don't have the necessary approvals. Mm-hmm. And so they come back in and got a, a permit for potted mums. And mums is an agricultural product. It's, it's permitted in the agricultural area. And so we had to issue the building permit. So they went ahead and put this building up, 13,000 square meters to grow a pot of mums. But what kind of caught me off guard is when they, uh, the media contacted them and asked them about that. He says, well, it's only temporary. As soon as we win the LPAT hearing, well, we'll convert it back to marijuana. 
So they're playing a little bit of games with it. And it's, a, in my view, a mammoth risk they took by going ahead and putting this building up without zoning and without the proper building permit. So then we fast forward, uh, uh, the LPAT hearing was coming up, and um, our legal department came to council and says, you want to stay the course. Uh, went first to planning, and planning on a, a pretty substantial vote said, no, we want to stay the course, we're not, we're not going to cut a deal. It got to council, and, uh, and OTGOG clearly did a lot of lobbying, because at the end of the day, um, the, the decision to uh, stay with the appeal to LPAT was defeated on a vote of six to seven. So we lost by one vote. Now it was a stormy night. So two members of council weren't there who supported staying the course uh, at committee. And so if they're there, probably would have been a different decision. So how do you how do you proceed from there? Because okay. obviously you had to find some resolution. So here's how we proceeded from there. So, uh, you know, I had no choice as a ward counselor but to accept the corporate decision of council, even if it was six, four, seven opposed decision to stay the course. And so um, I, I went to council and I said, as a condition of agreeing to settle, uh, I want four studies done on those four areas I talked about, light spillage, transportation, water, and um, odor. And um, so council agreed unanimously on that. So uh, the settlement states that TGOG must come back to city council or come back to staff. It, we've delegated the authority of proving this to, uh, in consultation with the ward councillor, which is myself, mm-hmm. approving um, um, studies that are done, how we're going to prevent the wells, you know, protect the neighbors from uh, their wells from, being from affected. those four things. Now, have those, those studies, things. have they been done yet? No. You know, they're, they're in the process right now. Once they submitted to our director of planning, the council resolution says they must go out and get peer-reviewed. So our planning staff will then retain another consultant who specializes in this area and review them and come back to us with suggestions of how we can protect the neighbors. And in addition to that, I insisted on this, and council agreed on a unanimous vote, is that we have to determine what happens if the wells do start going dry, despite all this. What happens if, if they're, they, they don't put curtains up and the, the night sky is lit up? Uh, what happens if they, they don't give proper access and egress points and they don't repair the roads that have been severely damaged by the construction activity? So what does happen? What are your so, options here? So we are, we're going to quantify them. We're going to put a value to it. What, and, and TGODs agreed in the settlement to do these studies, to pay for the peer review, and to put up a letter of credit. And so we'll quantify. And they've agreed that the affected area will be for five years and it will be a five-kilometer radius of their location. So the people of Jerseyville were particularly concerned about this, and they're within that five-kilometer radius. So we're going to quantify what would it cost to fix this well problem, probably deepening wells or drilling new wells down deeper to get into the aquifer further. What would it cost if we started losing them? And in addition to that, they must monitor every one of those wells for five years if if the owner of the well permits them to. If the owner says, no, I don't want it, then they won't do it. But uh, they're, they're monitor these wells and see how they're, what they're doing to the aquifer, if anything. And, and so uh, they, if they don't put curtains up to block that light spillage at night, we'll have enough money and a letter of credit to go in and do it for them. If they don't build proper access and egress, we'll build it and take it out of letter of credit. So that's how the public is protected. See, you've got, a, you've got a, a pot of money that you can work on, man. We can. We can draw on it if, the, if our neighbors aren't being And they're respected. okay with that. They've agreed to They sign off on it. Yes. So this is the settlement. Four studies, peer-reviewed, secured with letter of credit. It's ready to the bottom line. Lloyd, is this happening with other companies? Because these things are popping up all over the province now that this is legal. 
don't know. I, I, we haven't communicated with the municipalities. I don't know what their official plans will say. I mean, I, I really wish uh, the growers of this stuff, and it's an emerging market, so it's still trying to feel its way through sure. all municipalities. Yeah. But go to our brownfields. I mean, we still have those in the city. You don't need farmland to do this. It's, they go to farmland because it's cheap. You can get farmland a lot less than industrial lands. But if you buy up a brownfield, you got the, the three-phase power. You got the water. You got the public transit. But the, the property is more expensive than going by. So what's their answer? Because, because it's been raised before. Other communities have done that. I think the one in Barrie is, is, uh, is, is in the middle of a, an old industrial area. Uh, well, the one they're building in Collingwood, uh, a huge operation, but it's right on the cusp of a, of a, a business park. Uh, I don't think there's so. Is access to city services then? Yeah, yeah, that's the key. Don't take up our farmland. Don't buy up seventy-five acres, pay fifty percent above market price. So for a bonafide, if that's what they did, it, and and um, you know, make it more expensive for bonafide farmers to buy land to expand their facilities. It, this has a big ripple effect, in my view. But at the end of the day, it's all about let's preserve our prime agricultural land. Let's take these facilities because the product is growing in pots. It's not growing in the ground. And, and put them into our industrial parks or put them into our brownfields and, and have them go there. All right, what's the zoning on this now? Is is Because this is a business, but is it still zoned agricultural? Yes. Okay, so there's no change as far as taxes are concerned then? Well, that's another issue. Should uh, they be development charges because agricultural buildings are yeah. exempt from development charges? And we had that debate yesterday at Audit Administration, and this comes up when we uh, uh, confirm our new development charges bylaw uh, at Audit Committee in um, in mid-June. And, and so that'll be a discussion. But, you know, I'm told what they'll have to do is pay they can pay agricultural taxes in the building, but where they process it, they have to pay commercial taxes. We're going to keep pursuing that because it's not a negative, you know, it's a crop. Because that, that was one of the selling points initially. They say, well, you know, that's going to be converted to commercial taxes. That's a higher tax price. Well, there's little, there may be a small room where they actually process these plowers would be taxed at commercial rates. But uh, we haven't fully finished that that side yet and, and how that will apply. But I think, I expect they're going to be looking to pay farm taxes, agricultural taxes, because unfortunately the OFA has come out and said that the Ontario Federation of Agriculture has said that it's a, it's a crop. Well, you can't deny that. It's a seed that goes in earth, you water, and it grows. And, you know, that's like any other crop. But it's still a narcotic that's taking up prime agricultural land that should be growing food. Uh, are there any other in the, in the hopper? I mean, this, this is a huge operation that's taken an awful lot of time. I know there are other businesses, as you've talked about before, that are already here and, and established, and some of them are actually in expansion mode right now. But do you anticipate there's going to well, be any, I know anybody else? there's another one. I, you know, I'm trying to remember the name. is Breeze, um, but it's on it, – I'm not sure that's the exact name. But it's on Highway 6. It's an old um, scrapyard. Well, mm-hmm. that's an old industrial use. Yeah. It was a legal nonconforming one becoming back then, but at least they're not shutting down farmland to, to build it. So this has got, they, they still anticipate having this thing oper- operational by June. That's, that's my understanding. Well, they'll have the 2,000-square-meter facility yeah. running by June, but not the 13,000. I, I, you know, I actually asked for an opinion from our planning department, how long will this take? And he said, well, just to get the studies done, it's probably three to four months. And then we have to quantify it, put in an LC. Then they have to apply for a change of use. Because remember, they have approval for potted mums. And so they now they have to apply back to, to uh, uh, planning staff for a change of use to go from potted mums to cannabis. So this is going to take a while. 
Listen, I got about a minute left. I'm glad you came in to talk about this because there's a, a huge economic uplift. There's a lot of, of an interest and enthusiasm, I think, about this industry. And Hamilton's being pointed to right now as a place where this actually this industry could actually start to flourish and uh, jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, you got to make sure that all the T's are, are dotted. Well, drive down the Queen E, down through Niagara, and look at them all coming up. Yeah. And, and you know, somebody told me they were driving in from St. Catharines and they could pick up the odor from their cars going down the Queen E. I haven't personally experienced that, but, uh, you know, uh, Lincoln, I believe it is, has put a uh, uh, interim control bylaw to stop anymore until they can figure this out. All right, let me change gears. i got one minute left here. I want to ask you about the uh, the Ancaster Arts Centre, uh, because there's a great deal of concern about that. I know the community is really behind this project. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we know, the province pulled the funding for it, which really kind of put you guys uh, back quite a bit. Uh, is there a plan B? No, there is no plan B, but I'm working on one. Um, I... I'm hopeful that council will support me. Uh, I'm working with city staff to come up with a solution to it. Uh, Bob Wilkins, who is the chairman of the fundraising committee, who was, uh, you know, expected to raise $3 million. Well, he's now raised $4 million for this thing. So the community is squarely behind this thing. But it was a real kick on the stomach because we had treasury board approval, we had cabinet approval, and it was included in the 2018 yeah. budget. And, and uh, the conservatives just cut it. Because we, you know, we'd done the archaeological. We spent eight hundred thousand dollars doing that. It's finished. The project is out for tenders. We speak uh, after what happened at the Greg Meyer Arena. Uh, we slowed down the procurement because we wanted to put it through a pre-qualification process to make sure only qualified contractors are bidding on this. That's done. The tender's going out, but we have to find the funding shortfall. I'm also working with uh, Philomena from the federal government to see if there's something more that, that uh, they can do for us. But I sure hit a wall with the Conservatives. Horribly disappointed in something that was already approved in writing in the budget. What else could we have done? Well, as I say, the community was really anticipating this, and it's still going to be happening, I hope. Well, that's good news anyway. Uh, we're out of time. Thanks so much for coming in, Lloyd. Okay, good anytime. Talking to you. Ancaster Councilor Lloyd Ferguson. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.